Welcome back to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Kathy Kuhn, and I'm the Counseling Director at Rolling Hills. This week, we'll continue our series, Masterclass, focusing on the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus has called us all to faith in Him, the Son of God who fed 5,000, which is five loaves of bread and two fish. We know our God can do incredible, miraculous things, yet the challenges of life sometimes feel insurmountable. So let's explore this week how we can follow Jesus' invitation to faith in Him, even in the most daunting of situations. What if George, Paul, Ringo, John, Wood have not called it quits? What if LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and my beloved Cavs in 2018 would have given it one more year, not split up? What if McDonald's stopped teasing us by taking away the McRib just to bring it back every six months? What about Taco Bell and this Mexican pizza thing? What if? What if I would have taken that job? What if I would have met my wife sooner? What if I would have trusted Jesus earlier? We all have these scenarios, maybe in our mind, maybe you're running through them right now. What if? What could have been if I would have stayed this course or if this wouldn't have happened? In Mark 6, we're going to talk about today two groups of people that both encountered Jesus. One had lack of faith and Jesus was amazed at it. And another got to see miracle after miracle after miracle. So my prayer, and this is the big point for the day, is at the end of our lives, we can... We can say we followed and trusted Jesus wholeheartedly. And we don't have to say, oh, what could have been. Oh, what we could have seen God do. Oh, what we could have trusted the Lord. That's the big point for today, that we will walk away and take steps of faith by the word of God, by him speaking to us. Uh, My name is David Curtis. I'm the worship arts and discipleship pastor. If you've been here a long time and you've seen me, I'm usually the guy on the guitar saying, come on, church, let's go. Let's go. So now I'm the guy without the guitar saying, come on, church. Let's go. So I'm definitely an amen kind of preacher. So if you uh, relate, you believe, you agree, give me some amens. Give me some come ons. I'm okay with all of that. Uh, this, this morning we are in um, a series called Masterclass. For the whole summer we are studying Mark. And it's been incredible. Really, it has. We're in the sixth week. And so we're going each, each week through a chapter of Mark. Today we're in Mark 6. And um, in Mark 5, um, we're just coming from um, Jesus healing the woman with a bleeding issue, where, Jesus, where the woman just touches the friend of Jesus, and she's healed immediately. And also, Jesus just heals the 12-year-old daughter. She comes from death to life. Before we go any further, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us clearly. God, we ask for you to do that we ask for you to speak to us clearly through the word of God, through the points that I believe you've given me from you. Lord, may you be magnified. May you help us to stretch and grow our faith. Lord, we love you. This is all for you. May you receive the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So like I said, we're in Mark 6, chapter 1. So if you have your Bible you want to follow along or have your mobile device, also the scripture will be up on the screen. Or you can follow along in the Rolling Hills app. Mark 6, verse 1. Jesus left there. This is after he just healed the little girl. 
Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. So this is Jesus' second, we're pause right here. This is Jesus' second time to preach in his, his hometown, his, his synagogue there in Nazareth. And the first time it didn't end with a parade for the local hometown guy. Actually, in Luke 4, it says, uh, this is the first time Jesus preached. On hearing this, all the people in the synagogue were enraged. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him over the cliff. I'm sorry. Jesus didn't even get a chance to call the band up for the response song. The congregation is getting, I hope today goes better than then. If I see you all coming at me, I know where to go. But Jesus passed through the crowd and went on his way. If I get asked to come back to this church, I don't think I'm making another trip back to First Baptist of Nazareth. I don't think we connected. I'm going to let another pastor go there and share the good news. But not Jesus. He has compassion and goes back to his hometown to share the good news. Continuing on in Mark 6, finishing up verse 2. Where did this man get these things? They ask. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. I find it interesting that Mark says he could not do any miracles, but he still laid his hands on a few people and they were sealed. So I'm not sure what Mark's take on a miracle is. Um, Matthew, the same story, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. See, he chose to show us He chose to show us that our unbelief can stifle all that God has in store for us. Our unbelief, your first point is our unbelief stifles God's blessings. You can follow along on your worship guide if you want to follow notes. Our unbelief stifles God's blessings. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus was around. He was the hometown guy. They had heard about some of the things he'd been doing. They even were uh, impressed by his, the way he spoke. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah, we know him. He's, he's the guy that's around. He's preaching. But they did not call him Savior. They did not call him the King of Kings. He was right there, the King of the universe. And Jesus said, I'm amazed at their lack of faith. Do we find ourselves in the, in the same situation? Maybe he says, yeah, Jesus, he's, he's all around. I'm very familiar with Jesus, but I'm underwhelmed with Jesus. We live in the Bible Belt where we have a, a church on every corner. We have Jesus in our country music, Jesus in our antique stores, Jesus all around. But are we missing it? Are we growing numb? Are we doing the things we're supposed to do? Are we being good? Are we coming to church? 
Or are we fully trusted Jesus? Are we growing to be a disciple of Jesus? Are we going through the motions? It's possible to be overly familiar and yet underwhelmed with Jesus. Are we still amazed by him? Say, Jesus, you're amazing what you've done for me. You're amazing. Or is he amazed at our lack of faith? My prayer is, church, that we would not become lukewarm. It's a dangerous place to be. That we would not become lukewarm. That we would not forget our first love. That maybe that's you today and you're saying, no, I'm just here. I'm doing the thing. I'm going to church. I'm checking the boxes. That we would rekindle our hearts for him, for his teaching. That we'd fall more in love with Jesus. That we would not let our unbelief stifle his blessings. We would not let our unbelief stifle his blessings. From there, Jesus left Nazareth and went from village to village. Teaching is where we continue in the text. Mark 6, verse 7. Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So Jesus grabbed the 12 and he says, now go and share the good news. Go and share what I've done in your life. The Great Commission, go and make disciples. Go and tell. But the beautiful thing is, is we're not God. Our job, our responsibility is to share. So we should feel the weight of sharing your faith, but not another's response. Yes, church, we should feel the weight of sharing your faith, but not another's response. In verse 11, again, like we just read, if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So let's be real here for for a second. We're with friends, we're with family. When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you said, how can I pray for you? When's the last time you invited someone to church? I hope we feel that weight a little bit this morning. And that's not from me, that's from the Holy Spirit. When's the last time we've shared our faith? But the beautiful thing is, church, all we're told to do is, is, is share. If they receive it or don't receive it, that's not up to us. It's scary obedience, believe me, I know, that's scary. I'm flesh and bone, I get scared, I get scared. People start talking about Jesus or politics, like, hold up, right? But our job is to speak truth and life and say, this is what God's done to me. This is what God's done in my life. Not scary obedience. I want to talk on that for a second. Whenever we step out and say, Lord's calling me to this, but man, I do not want to go. I do not want to go there, Lord. But we step out. That's where the Lord meets us in that place. I'm telling you, friends, he meets you there in that place. And your faith has never been more alive whenever you're stepping out and you're going, oh, this is all Jesus. I'm scared. This is all Jesus. And he meets you there in that place. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Last year, I, um, 
felt the Lord laying on my heart to, to start a men's group, a men's community group in my neighborhood. And, um, and I delayed and delayed that obedience. I came up with every excuse in the book. I'm busy. Who would even come? Where would we have it? When would we have it? I was scared. Um, I was scared because this is family. This is friends. My neighbors to my left and my right, inviting them. And the thing is, I had invited them to church, to, to Easter, to Sounds of Christmas, to men's event, to everything. But they didn't come. So I'm like, you want me to step out into this? So finally, December, <laughs> like I said, delayed obedience. De- December, I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I need to take that next step. The Lord has laid it on my heart. I'm going to do this. And so I just tell a few guys, and I'm like, I'm going to start a men's group. I'm going to post on the, on the Facebook page. So I post it on the page. Post. People, a few people like it. People come. People are saying, oh, I've been missing this in my life. Yeah, you've been missing it. I, I delayed. <laughs> I hear you, Lord. Okay? It's like the exclamation point. It's like, oh, I've been needing this. Like, yes, I know. But it has been incredible. That first Tuesday morning, I was sitting there with my little pot of coffee. Like I said, I was scared. <laughs> I was nervous. It's like, who's going to walk in these doors? Is anyone going to walk in these doors? And people came. And since January, we've averaged eight guys, and we've been able to walk through some incredible life together. And their faith has been encouraged. My faith has been encouraged. I mean, my wife can attest to it on Tuesday mornings when I come home. I'm like, yeah, you don't believe with this and this and this. To see faith activated. To see us walk with a guy that has been diagnosed with cancer and walking through treatment and get to walk with him. To see a guy that comes home and... Brings home a new baby and the excitement of that, the ups and downs. But the thing is, and I'm grateful for this, if that would have been a flop and not would have happened, nothing would have happened, that would have been okay. I could have shaken the dust off the feet and said I was obedient. I was willing to share my faith. It doesn't mean I stop, but the weight is not on me. We're faithful with sharing our faith. So church, I would just encourage you. Let's, let's do something. Maybe you already are. Maybe you're moving. Maybe you got the invites out. Maybe you're, but let's do something. Let's share our faith. Let's be intentional. We can do it. Because the beauty is we need to feel the weight of sharing but not of their response. Now, this is where Mark has a little sidebar and a little side story he shares about King Herod and John the Baptist. Now, King Herod is hearing about all these things that Jesus is doing. And he says, it's got to be John the Baptist, the guy that I killed, coming back from life. This is why these miracles are taking place. You see, King Herod put John in prison because Herod said, you know what? I want my brother's wife. I want her to be my wife. And John said, that is not cool, dude. That is not okay in the sight of God. And so John and his new wife had John killed, had him beheaded. Matthew 11, it says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. I will never stand up here and promise that with Jesus you will live a long, easy life. Almost all the disciples of Jesus were killed for their faith, scholars believe. 
So it is safe to say that faith does not promise safety. Faith does not promise safety. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. Faith in Jesus does promise us eternal life with the King of Kings. Security is safe with him. But on this life, on this side, it does not promise us a safe, easy life. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You will be rejected for your faith. Maybe that's as simple as not being picked for a team because you're the church kid. Maybe it's being a young adult and not getting invited to certain things because you're the believer. Maybe it's a church. You're the guy that started a Bible study and getting the weird looks or maybe even fear of losing your job. Or maybe it's to the extreme of giving your life as a martyr for Jesus, like John the Baptist did, like Jim Elliott did, an American missionary that went to Ecuador to share the good news to the Ecuadorian Indians in 1952. He's grown accustomed to the land, becoming familiar with the people. His plans were preempted as he was going to go to the next section of land by 10 warriors who killed Elliot and his four companions on January 8th, 1956. Jim died pouring out his life for the gospel, just like John the Baptist. This beautiful quote from Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot, his wife. You can never lose what you have already offered to Christ. The thing is, church, we don't know what we'll face. We don't know when we face what we'll face this afternoon. But we do know who walks with us when we believe in Jesus Christ. He says that he will never leave us, never forsake us. He's our Prince of Peace. He's always with us. So back to the text. Remember before Mark's cheerful side story about the beheading, we had the disciples had just been sent out. In verse 30, that's where we're going to continue back. Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. I love that we're going to pause right there. I love that Jesus says, you have ministered, you have worked hard. You're going, going, going. And Pastor Jason talked about the importance of Sabbath three weeks ago. And I remember specifically him holding up his hands going, work, 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 rest. The importance of rest. And that's Jesus just pointing out right here. You're going, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving, which I love. We need to pour it all out. But then you need to rest and come away with me. And that's what Jesus points out there. Continuing on in verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat, they said to him. That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread? And give it to them to eat. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. 
Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. So this is a whole sermon in itself right here, y'all. But I got Mark 6, so we're just flying, okay? The, the nugget that I feel like the Lord give, gave me this past week whenever I was preparing was that Jesus let us be involved. He let the disciples be involved in the miracle. He could have let bread and fish fall from the sky like he did with the Israelites. He could have said, no, I got this. Here we go. But he let the disciples be involved He let the little boy with his lunch be involved, which is beautiful that we get to be involved in that. We can bring our little offering in in John 6, 9. It says, here is a boy that with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? I love it because in John's account, this is a little boy's lunch, a little offering. So Jesus multiplies your little offering and makes it miraculous. Jesus multiplies your little offering and makes it miraculous. How many of you feel like you have little to offer back to King Jesus? I know I do. What can I bring back to the king of kings, creator of the universe? I can bring my little song. I can bring serving coffee. I can bring opening up my living room. What's that going to do? But God can use these small offerings, and he can do the miraculous. I've seen the church. You guys are incredible with the way you serve, the way you love. The parking team out here waving on the side of the street. What's that do, right? What does that do? Is that anything? There's a group of people that have come and are now partners in the church because they saw the man waving on the street. That, talk about that as a little offering, and Jesus did the miraculous. People opening up their homes for community group and people coming to know the Lord because they said, I'll give my living room. I'll pour into people. People's marriages being restored because you, church, you stepped in and you said, I don't have much. But I have this, Lord, what do you want to do with it? The worship team, I know I'm the worship arts pastor, so let me brag on them for a second. But like they give us eight hours a week to serve the church. They don't do it for their own glory. They say, I can play the guitar. What's that? We're going to bring it to the Lord and watch what he can do. The tech team, the family ministry, first impressions, all of you guys. Like I said, community groups. These are ways that we can bring back our lunch, bring back our offering to the Lord. We can bring back our time. We can say, Lord, time is valuable. We're all running a thousand miles per hour. I can bring back my time. I can pause for a coffee and speak to someone about Jesus. I can find ways to serve. I can bring my talent, whatever God has wired you with or whatever God has gifted you with and saying, Lord, I bring it back to you. I can bring my resources. We're so blessed. 
We can say, Lord, this is all came from you in the first place. So we're going to hold open hands. Homes, like I mentioned several times, we can say, Lord, I've been blessed with a beautiful home. I want to make sure I use it for your kingdom. God, fill this thing up and let us tell people about Jesus that come through here. From neighbors that are crazy to everybody else, <laughs> let me make sure the love of Jesus is flowing through this place. He uses our small offering and moves in the miraculous. So maybe you're saying, Pastor David, I'm already all in. I do this. Let's go. Let's move on to the next point. Or maybe you're saying, I need to grow in this. We have an opportunity for you today to bring something back to God. We are starting our Do Good Local Summer Drive. And each week there are ways to bring back food, supplies, resources, and watch God move in the miraculous right here. Make sure you grab that whenever you go out. But it's ways that we can bring back our food, bring back our groceries, bring back our resources to invest into education, to, re to restore the homeless. And watch what God can do. It feels like nothing, right? It feels like, okay, I'll do that. But then God can take that and do the miraculous. It's where the church can say, look, we're going to go feed the hungry. There's serving opportunities as well. Because Jesus takes our little offering and makes it miraculous. Once again, think back to the people in Nazareth. In the synagogue. Man, they missed it. People with lack of faith, they said, what could have been? We missed the feeding of the 5,000. We missed going out and sharing our faith. After that, he sent the disciples on ahead of him by boat. That's where we pick back up in the verse 46, Mark 6, 46. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So I had to look it up, Bible scholar. What does this mean? Verse 52. They had not understood about the loaves, meaning they had forgotten about Jesus moving miraculously with the feeding. So as soon as they were faced with the new problem in the boat with the wind and the waves, they had already forgotten about what Jesus had just done with the 5,000. Is that us? Are we remembering the power of God. What has God done in our lives? His faithfulness, his goodness. Whenever we face this new storm, the wind and the waves and the boat, are we saying, who do we go to? Where do we run? Or are we living by faith? Your last point there. Are you living by faith? Mark 6, 50, it says, take courage, it is I, like we just read. Don't be afraid. Jesus to Jairus, uh, the father of the 12-year-old girl, don't be afraid. Just believe. Once again, think about the contrast of miracles Jesus did after leaving the Nazareth synagogue. Well, imagine what could have been seen in Nazareth. Let us not be like the Nazarenes, where Jesus is amazed at their lack of faith. But let us be the ones saying, Jesus, we're amazed at you. We're amazed at what you've done. We're amazed at your amazing grace. We're amazed. Church, I, I pray that we are like the disciples, that we 
want to go and share our faith, but remember that the weight is not on us. I pray that we are like the little boy with the lunch and saying, I don't have much. I don't have much, but I'm going to watch this little offering and watch it become miraculous. Church, I pray that we're not like the disciples in the boat, but we remember God's faithfulness and his goodness. So when the storm comes, when the wind and the waves come, and they come, they come every week, especially this last week. The wind and the waves and fear, anxiety, anger, doubt, all the things. All the things that I think as, a, as we need to remember that God gave us our emotions and some are healthy and some were not meant to stay there. My prayer is that in our doubt, in our fear, in anxiety, in our hopefulness, in our joy, in our plentiful in our want and our need and our strength that we would turn to Jesus because Jesus is enough. Amen? Amen? Jesus is enough. A beautiful thing about worship, there, whenever we bring an offering of praise to Jesus that's a place out of hurt or a place out of rawness, I believe there's a special presence of the Lord that he hears that and he smells that fragrant offering of praise. And he says, I see you, child. I see that you're hurt or you're broken and you still choose to praise me. I see that praise coming up. There's something special about that whenever you don't feel like worshiping or you don't feel like praising or the song's good or bad or whatever. You say, Lord, you're good. I'm going to bring what I have to do. I'm going to trust that you are good. I pray that we'll be people of faith. I believe that God is calling all of us to a next step, myself included. What is that next step? Maybe it's sharing your faith. You're like, that's terrifying. Maybe he's calling us to that. Maybe it's, maybe it's for you, it's salvation. Maybe you were walking in this place and you're like, I don't know if I believe this or I've never given my life fully to Christ. Let today be the day you can mark on your connection card or I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. We can have people from our prayer team up here. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe you said, I've given my life to Jesus, but I've never made the public profession to say, I belong to Jesus and I want the world to know. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's tithing. Whatever it is, let's take that next step. Let me pray for us. Father God, we come to you. We're thankful. We're thankful for who you are, Lord Jesus. We're thankful that you are calling us to a next step and that you walk with us. God, I pray that you would be pleased with our obedience, God, that we would, that we would walk towards you, even if that's a small step, that we would walk in obedience to you, to what you're calling us to do. What is that next step, Lord? Speak clearly to us. Give us the direction. Let us be people that at the end of our lives, we don't have to say what could have been, what you could have done in and through us. God, we make the proclamation today, here in this place, that we're all in.
Let us not be lukewarm. Let us be people that are growing and striving to be disciples of King Jesus. We love you, Jesus. In precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If this content has blessed you in some way, we hope you will share it with a friend and subscribe so you never miss a new sermon. Be sure to check out our other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, you can download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.com. Church. Tune in next week for more of our series, Masterclass.